Um, I would like to take one or two quotes from the uh, Tao Te Ching, a classic book of uh, ancient uh, China, and hopefully weave some of uh, the uh, commentary into our uh, practice and uh, daily life here. And just a little bit with regard to the uh, Tao Te Ching, it's uh, a book reported to have been uh, written by Lao Tzu, I think around about five centuries before the common uh, era, and that is written around the time of the Buddha. And much has been said, and appropriately too, over the centuries in terms of a comparison with the, uh, the Buddhist uh, tradition and the Taoist uh, tradition. And one might uh, say, in terms of attending to the uh, two traditions, that both uh, point to a liberated and free life, both point to an understanding of coming and finding the essence uh, of things, which is uh, lib- liberating and illuminating. But if we want, were to make uh, some uh, difference uh, to it, is that the Buddhist tradition, I would say, has put a bit more focus and uh, emphasis on uh, form, uh, method, uh, technique, such as that which we are using here together, as a contribution to awareness, uh, insight and a wise way of living. And uh, Lao Tzu has uh, emphasized, equally appropriately and importantly, the importance of uh, formless, uh, natural understanding, which is in accordance with the Tao, which is in accordance with the Dharma, called the Tao, in the uh, uh, tradition of China. And uh, a few weeks ago, when I was uh, on the other side of the pond, that is in the US, I uh, picked up uh, a copy of... uh, the Tao Te Ching, and this particular one has been um, translated, if that's quite the right word, uh, by Stephen Mitchell. Stephen Mitchell has been for many years a Dharma student in the Zen tradition, very familiar with uh, Taoist understanding, and has engaged in a number of uh, translations of uh, various uh, books and putting them into a language which is contemporary, uh, readable, yet not an easy task, without getting too far away from the uh, original spirit. I don't think um, uh, Stephen Stephen Mitchell uh, reads uh, Chinese, and in looking at the introduction, it looks as though he has drawn upon a wide variety of uh, other uh, translations, and as he says in the introduction, he may not be completely literal, but he's tried to express as best he can the mind of Lao Tzu. So this is how it flows. Um, in, in that, I'll just uh, uh, read, dig uh, out the glasses and read the piece, and then give some uh, commentary on it. And this is from the latter part of the book. And for those of you who may not know uh, the book, you may have heard 
from uh, Dharma traditions and teachings or sometimes quoted in other books, the rather famous, world famous opening lines, uh, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao, the name that can be named is not the eternal name. The famous opening line, and I'm not going to try and make a commentary on that. So, uh, I <laughs> go to page 67, it's easier. <laughs> All right, here we go. Some say, this is typical Lao Tzu, some say that my teaching is nonsense. I know that one. Others call it... <laughs> Others call it lofty, lofty meaning high, for those of you English as a second language. Others call it lofty, but impractical. But to those who have looked inside themselves, this nonsense makes perfect sense. And those who put it into practice, this loftiness, this highness, has roots that go deep. Some say my teaching is nonsense, others call it lofty, high, but impractical. But those who have looked inside themselves, it makes perfect sense. And to those who put it into practice, the roots go deep. In looking into uh, uh, Dharma practice, and I'll flow on with the next paragraph in a moment or two, you may have had similar responses yourselves from uh, people that you know, friends, relatives and family, and may have said uh, to you, and may continue to do so, what on earth are you going to a place like uh, Gaia House for to go uh, on a retreat? Why don't you go and have a holiday? Why, why don't you um, go, go to um, Disneyland or... or, or, or um, um, club Med or something, and this is Club med- Meditation, but anyway. So, so sometimes it doesn't seem to make practical sense to uh, come into a situation like this. And if one gave any kind of description to uh, uh, other people of the first day on a retreat, they would be utterly convinced it's utterly nonsense and utterly impractical to sit, to be still, to walk up and down slowly, to have no social contact with 50 or 60 other people equally loitering around in the, pl- in, in the place. And the outward appearance of it does seem a bit wacky. It is. And in coming into uh, a situation, it does take, particularly for those of you who are new to these uh, situations, quite some degree of adjustment because the attention, as we notice and experience in ourselves, is so much towards going outwardly. The tendencies of the mind, the habits of the mind, the movements, the conditioning, the very shape, so to speak, of the mind, is to keep running through to the eyes, through to the ears, and towards doing. And this seems, naturally enough, uh, uh, a way of living, it seems to be what being human is all about. Uh, therefore, to be engaged in doing, come to the end of the day, crash out on the mattress, and then wake up the following morning with a whole list of things that need to be done, and then start the next day. 
and try to get as many of those things which need to be done as much as possible or to spend the next day thinking about all the things that one needs to do as much as possible. And this seems to be the flow of existence between thinking and doing, doing and thinking, until Lord Yama, that's the king of uh, death in the Buddhist tradition, uh, wanders around and says, well, it's your turn today, you're out. And life is over. And so any kind of arrest of the attention any kind of perception of things which says, I'm not going to keep going out, out, doing, 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 will seem, initially, rather, as Lao Tzu is pointing out to us there, can and will seem rather impractical to step back from all, all of that. That very activity of step, stepping back from all of that means that, and this is the important thing here, the awareness, so to speak, speak is looking in a different direction. That's what's happening for us. It's looking in a somewhat different direction. So instead of the awareness going outwardly, except for the bare necessities, you know, of going from A to B, eating the food, going to one's room, etc., minimal outer activity, the very stopping is turning the awareness around and bringing it back and bringing it back and it's more having more opportunity to see more directly pleasant or unpleasant as it may be what's going on uh, inwardly and the response of uh, uh, Lao Tzu to this is that for those who look inside themselves this nonsense makes perfect sense and it can seem very much a half a life for us if we keep going outwardly and keep neglecting the most important thing in the whole of existence which is the condition of our mind. Because it's the vehicle, the means, the instrument and the only one we've got, we ain't got no other by which we know who we are and by which we know what the world is. And yet it's the instrument called the mind, I'm referring here to heart, feelings, thoughts, perceptions, states of mind, condition of consciousness, personality, the inner life, the whole of that vast field. That is the instrument by which we live. If we don't look at the instrument and see the condition and work, work with it, life can be difficult to the point of being hellish. And as I mentioned on a, um, a retreat uh, elsewhere, if you and I just give a little reflection to the um, amount of time that some people have spent in education, I'm talking uh, uh, higher ed- education, that having once learned the basics, reading, writing, and uh, uh, arithmetic, arithmetic not that one needs arithmetic these days with a calculator, but anyway, that once one's learned, uh, or that the amount of time that went into higher education and can be obviously very helpful, very important, and uh, not to be dismissed. But what if society, men and uh, women, had the same commitment to working on the inner life? What if we'd put the same amount of time in to 
looking at the patterns of thought, looking at the condition of our heart, looking at the quality of uh, love and kindness in our life, what would it be to look into ourselves the same amount of time that we've given to study, to university, to higher, to technical learning, to college, etc., etc., and we put this into looking at the instrument to live by? Then we say, my goodness, the amount of time I do in a retreat compared to the amount of time that I went to university. I personally didn't go to uh, university as mine was in the monastery, but it it shows how little opportunity we really can get to do something so important that is turning the awareness around and looking at what is coming from within and the way that it influences what goes on without. That surely is important. And he says, those, though it may sound all very high, he says, those who put it into practice, the roots go deep. The roots go deep. And one of the aspects and features of our turning the uh, attention inwardly, it may be, as some of you reported today in the small groups with Martin uh, and I, that there may be a genuine interest to turn the attention uh, uh, inwardly, but because the energy is so used to running out to doing, that when we cut that, we also simultaneously cut the energy supply for that, and one has the waves of tiredness that uh, come in, one gets hit with the restlessness and uh, and the uh, uh, agitation and the difficulties of the thought, and, and the one-liner which people say, well, it's always like this on my first day. This is a mantra in Gaia Health. It's always like this on my first day. I wonder if it would be like it if, it if it was one's last day on Earth. When we, oh, I'm feeling so tired and bored today. No, no, no. So the view arises, and of course there is some settling in, but more importantly, the energy begins to, will begin to flow, for most, a little bit more easily and freely, and therefore that energy begins to support the important work of seeing what the condition of the inner life is because it matters for us more than anything else, no matter what we say. In that, Lao Tzu then goes on and he, and he refers to three particular areas which are important for us to reflect on and to look at uh, uh, with, with our life. All of them people in Dharma practice will be familiar with. He says, I have just three things to teach. Lucky him. Simplicity, patience, compassion. So, at Gaia Gaia House, which um, specialises in in, in committee meetings, and uh, those of you who go to committee meetings will know these are one of the great acts of self-denial in life. And so somebody might say, well, what's Sky House? And then they'll, they'll see that rather sweetly carved piece of wood out there and say, oh yes, meditation, inquiry and compassion. So this is simplicity, patience and compassion. So in those three areas, then I'll read on, he says, these three are your greatest treasures. Simple in compassion, in action and in thought, you return to the source of being. 
patient with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way things are. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Very beautiful teaching. Take the first one of the simplicity. Here it says, these great, uh, great treasures, simple in actions and simple in thought. Well, we could say, here with regard to ourselves, the simplicity of the action surely can't get much more simple than this. Sit, walk, stand, recline, shut up. This is the essence of the message in a more polite language. And that movement of keeping it very, very simple means also there is more going on for us uh, uh, which is important than what we can appreciate. And what I mean, mean by that, just to take stock for a moment of what is absent. Not so earlier in the, in the text refers to this. What is absent? So much of the role, the information, the accumulation of this, that and the other in our life, all the things that you and I do and do and do, we're willing to put it aside to keep things very simple. And initially the simplicity is in the activity itself to help generate a clearer awareness. Just recently, to give a, a more graphic example of what I mean, it's something which I listened to and it's... Uh, it uh, touched, uh, touched me. I was teaching with uh, Jeremy in uh, New Zealand. <coughs> and uh, Jeremy, um, part of uh, the work that uh, he does is counselling uh, men of uh, violence, domestic violence. And sometimes you have a long uh, history of this. And the courts have told, have ordered, that this person has to enter uh, into uh, a counselling situation. And Jeremy said, sometimes we'll bring several people then there together. They have admitted to hitting and beating up their wives, their partners or their children. And he will turn to one of them and he will say, and this is Jeremy, will turn to him and say, why did, you, why did you punch her in the face? And he said, it's not unusual that the first words that come out of the man's mouth is, she deserved it. He said he was walking down the, the road with one of the, the men and a, a dog came by and the man immediately tried to kick it. And he said, why, 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 why are you trying to kick this dog? He said, I thought it was going to get in my way. And he said, it struck him that from the movement within, that is the impulse, the reaction, the aggression, there is no awareness. It just goes from within and it goes straight out. And the man doesn't know what it is to be aware inwardly. He thinks the world is against him, 
Therefore, this explosive anger or aggression or rage or whatever it is comes straight through and there's no way, he doesn't know how to stop to look inwardly and take responsibility for what's coming from within. And sometimes, as Jeremy was pointing out to these men, sometimes it's just a lot of work quietly and in a sustained way to make some kind of shift in the person so that in this case he is able to be aware of what's coming from within and to acknowledge that rather than seeing all the problems, all the faults outside of himself. That's what awareness is about. It's that capacity to see what's within, what that movement is, how that may manifest and show itself in the world. And that is the beginning of change. Sometimes we need in our uh, the simplicity, as I, as I mentioned here, to explore that, that simplicity, to see it initially in our actions, and then, could it be possible with our thought, as Lao Tzu is pointing out here, to somehow discover and intuitively get the sense of what simplicity of thought is? What the simplicity of thought is? Because clearly and obviously for us, in our existence, thoughts arise, they can, we can be clear about them, or partly clear, or unclear. And the thoughts easily become language, and easily become action. And therefore the power of thought is extraordinary, since it's a mobilising activity that goes from thought to action. Not always, obviously. Sometimes we're sitting on the meditation cushion, we're sitting on the chair, kneeling posture, or out we're having a meal or whatever it might be and it's thinking, 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 thinking it, it, it's like I can't think of an analogy to, to convey the uh, amount of um, thoughts that can be going on and it may be around a particular issue or a number of uh, issues and we keep manufacturing the thought which becomes and makes it a much more complicated situation. What's the core thought? What's the essential thread that's running through the thought? So the Buddha and the teachings have said, when we take all the thoughts together, all the kind of ways that you and I think about this, think about that, think about the other, etc. It can come down, he says, to two kinds of thought. Wholesome or unwholesome. Healthy or unhealthy. If it's healthy, it's okay. If it's unhealthy, it's not okay. Period. Somehow we forget that simplicity and in forgetting the simplicity, we manufacture huge storylines. Great complicated soap operas for ourselves, dragging in half the population, who don't want to be in our soap opera anyway, 
it all seems very, very difficult to resolve, full of different ideas and choices that could be made, can we just get enough clarity for the moment, just enough to see, is it a healthy, wholesome thought? And sometimes it's unhealthy. We're thinking really hard and negative things about somebody, we're really slagging somebody off, or we're putting ourselves down, the lack of compassion uh, uh, aspect and all of that. And it just needs us to be able to, in the midst of all the complication of it, if it's unhealthy, be clear, it is an unhealthy, unwise, unskillful, unhelpful, unwholesome thought, not to shift away from that, let's be completely honest, not easy. Sometimes it's a healthier, wholesome thought. Sometimes a healthier, wholesome thought could be, shall I do this or shall I do that? And one looks and says, well, both are good. It's not a question of, well, shall I um, shoot this person or show him loving kindness? Or shall I go here or shall I go there? Sometimes the decisions and choices, both are healthy or wholesome. If both the choices or the variety of them are healthy or wholesome, nothing to worry about. It's a healthy vision that one has, a healthy purpose that one has. doesn't matter. All I'm just pointing this out to, that if we find in the silence of things here, we are getting into a complicated thinking line can we just bring it back to a bare actuality of simplicity there, which actually says, is it healthy or is it not? And just stay steady with that awareness of that thought. It isn't easy. We'll certainly need as much calmness and practice, but we're least coming back to the simplicity that Lao Tzu is reminding us about. Then he goes on with uh, patience here, and patience towards friends and enemies. Enemies is a little uh, fu- uh, funny word, uh, odd sort of word, but let's say uh, uh, friends and uh, the unfriendly, be more compassionate. And in the, again, in the movement of the inner life, where there are circumstances in our lives where people like us and they don't like us or they can't make up their mind if they do or if they don't, there, much of all of that is in matters of one's heart. In matters of the heart. So sometimes in these areas of, of our heart, the day is going by once again and a person or a particular stands out for us. Could be anybody. Could be some to our past, long time past, near past, somebody who is here, somebody uh, uh, in our life at the present time who was out in, uh, in our life. And all relationships, whatever the expression of, of type or quality, had something to do with our heart. Any relationship which is important certainly will have and anything to do with the heart will make all of us a little bit uh, vulnerable to the movement of the inner life. Some of those situations 
we have no idea how they will turn out. Whatever, whatever, it, might, whatever it might be. You just have no idea what the outcome will be. We don't know within ourselves. We don't know from the other person or that in situation or those people or whatever it might be. We have no idea. And in that, the quality of patience is vital. To practice patience. And one of the important contributions to the practice of uh, patience is remembering, and sometimes with thinking remembering, everything keeps changing. Helping to keep the process of the patient really alive with us. Sometimes it could be through losing a loved one. Sometimes it could be through separation. Sometimes it could be through sickness. Sometimes it could be through death. Sometimes it could be through um, being hurt or harmed. Sometimes it could be through being misunderstood, judged or blamed or condemned. Or sometimes uh, it, it could be all the opposite qualities there. And we don't know how things will unfold into the future. We don't have a pure vision looking down the tunnel into the future. Nobody has that privilege. We can only surmise on things. Can we, if we know that something is important in our life, in relationship to friends and the unfriendly, are we willing to be patient? As to how things will unfold. If we are, we are developing a true treasure of existence. Sometimes the patient is the being with the unknown. And we find ourselves wanting to know, we can't know, so we run into a lot of thinking, 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 trying to know, trying to guess, trying to speculate, trying to interpret how things will turn out. Bottom line is, we don't know. Every moment we're willing to stay with the not knowing. It's a patience. It's a moment of patience. That's our treasure. For that we have to go, as Lao Tzu says, closer, deeper to the root of things. He then goes on. Actually, Lao Tzu doesn't go on too much. As those of you know, it's... uh, How many pages is it? 70, 75 pages, short paragraph. Such a different story from the Buddhist tradition. Publisher asked me to do... uh, to do quotes of the Buddha for one of these one day one quote per day so in my undying enthusiasm for the teachings of the Buddha I uh, decided to uh, re-read in a relatively short period of time two, 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 two to three months or so all the sutras that's the talks of, of the Buddha all 11,200 of them uh, there So, uh, uh, Lao Tzu is a real blessing. (laughs) So, he says, 
compassionate, one of the third treasure here, compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. This is just a, a jewel to take to heart here. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile. That means you feel connected with all beings in the world. What does that mean for, for, for us and, uh, and heart life and free, freedom, freedom of the heart? From, from observation and uh, listening uh, to, to people uh, over the years, there are a kind of number of patterns and tendencies which are so widespread at an epidemic level that it's something that's in the culture that we live in. No doubt elsewhere, well, of course it's elsewhere as well, but something intense. And what I'm referring to here particularly is the mind's tendency to be negatively judgmental towards itself. The tendency of the mind to be negatively judgmental on itself. So one thing is some issues which are arising in the mind. And the other is the reaction that goes with it and the self-blame, self-judgmental, the mind in its strange, bizarre way against all of one's best interests, against all of one's any clarity, gets on its own case and attacks, condemns, puts down, criticizes itself as in a very intense pattern. And sometimes when that's happening, it's got a twofold dynamic to it. And I think this in a way shows how uh, whatever vulnerable and susceptible uh, we are, both from the outer voice as well as from the inner. What I mean by that is if in life we are very much put down and it's used in language, it's used in um, communication, it's used in uh, heat and intensity and uh, anger and aggression towards us and lots of blame and fault-finding is taking place. The tendency is very easily for that to be internalized and to meet in, with one's own tendency to do it probably through having internalized it previously. And that meeting and collision can be that we then have an internal voice which is rather similar to the external one lagging ourselves up, putting ourselves down, finding fault with ourselves, feeling that we're no good, feeling that we're nobody, and that reproducing in feelings and thoughts and perceptions uh, there. But there's a comment he said, he said once, he said, there is no, nothing in life which can give us such a hard time as ourselves. There's nobody in this world who could give us and, and make our life so difficult as we can for ourselves in the way we view ourselves. 
So compassion not only is to make some kind of genuine shift and change, and that may be gradual within us, but it brings about a reconciliation, a reconnection with the rest of the world. What would it be to really feel human kindness for oneself? What would it be to feel human kindness, ordinary kindness, for oneself, from oneself? To feel kindly towards ourselves? How might that show itself? How might we use our time here wisely and skillfully to actually walk feeling kind towards oneself? To sit and be kind towards oneself. To take the day in that kind of mode of awareness and receptivity and and sensitivity. To disbelieve the reactive self-blame that arises. That one is simply going to have enough awareness and determination one is not going to buy it. One is not going to spend another minute sitting inside of oneself acting as judge, jury, prosecutor and condemning oneself. Sometimes the verdict is given at the beginning in the mind and then the trial starts afterwards. One's guilty, one's done wrong, and then afterwards comes all, all the, the merciless. We generate an inner world. And it's a distressing and painful one for any men and women to be in. What would it be to say, this has to stop? What would it be just to be with uh, a caring or compassionate sensitivity towards oneself. Sometimes one comes back to the original thought of this. So if we're giving ourselves a hard time, it may be we come back and we say, with the original, as far as one knows in oneself, the intention was okay. Whatever. We are giving ourselves a hard time. That The intention is okay, so we trust in that. Sometimes we come back to the basics again and we say, well, the intention was mixed or the intention wasn't healthy, was unwise or whatever uh, it may be. Okay, let me be very clear about that and out of that, be steady with that and being steady with that, some insight and genuine learning will come about. Nobody on this earth ever benefited from slagging themselves off, putting themselves down, condemning themselves, judging themselves, being, you know, condemning themselves. It is a completely hopeless activity. It just does not provide the insight. If it provided the insight, then it would have stopped long ago. 
We'd all be, everybody would be sitting here. Happy, compassionate, reconciled, because all these attacks on ourselves provided so much insight that we don't need them anymore. Somewhere with our awareness and with our perception. It's going to require resolution, it's going to require simplicity, patience, and a kindness towards ourselves. We are only human after all. To be human. It's a great and wonderful thing. Why do we keep forgetting? So then I'll just turn here just finally with, uh, with you. Sometimes in all of this movement that uh, uh, go, goes on, he says, and this is for people who look at themselves as being uh, rather goal oriented and that can be in all sorts of uh, ways uh, in, in life, not only in football matches. Success is as dangerous as failure. Hope is as hollow as fear. What does it mean that success is as dangerous as failure? This is a nice, nice, great one-liner. Whether you go up the ladder or down it, your position is shaky. <laughs> rather, rather insightful for those of you who like climbing ladders. When you stand with your two feet on the ground, you will always find your balance. Please uh, reflect on this tomorrow in the standing meditation time. What does it mean that hope is as hollow as fear. Hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. When we don't see the self as self, what do we have to fear? Maybe a little bit too deep for the first evening of the retreat, but... However, we live in hope. What does it mean that hope is as hollow as fear? Hope and fear are both phantoms. Surely you and I have had enough experience in our life to know this. How many times have we had great hopes and they've been dashed? Great promises, great ideas, and it just hasn't worked out. How many times in life have we had fears about doing something, saying something, going somewhere, and all the fears that arose beforehand, and when we actually did it, when we went to that place, when we did what we did, what was all that fear about? Hope and fear are both phantoms. When we don't see the self as self, what do we have to fear? when we don't see the self as self. In other words, in a very Buddhist way uh, here, that awareness which we are talking about and turning our attention to inwardly is the way to be very clear 
about the manifestation of the self. The self which is impatient rather than patient. The self which is complicated rather than simplicity. The self which is in the form of being self-judgmental rather than kindly or compassionate. Can we, here and now, in the days here, when something is taking place in the mind, can we see it's just the self in this form? If we see, ah, look, this is just the self in this form, Lao Tzu says, what do we have to fear? Then he takes it a step further. He says, see the world as yourself, have faith in the way things are, love the world as yourself, then you care for all things. Basic concluding spiritual reminder and message to all of us. In other words, instead of thinking, this is myself in here, and it comes up, and sometimes it comes up, and one feels very happy what comes into the awareness, it's happy, it's content, there's peacefulness, there's clarity, there's steadiness, there's equanimity, there's kindness, and the self appreciates all of that. Sometimes what's arising with the self is difficult and unpleasant, as I just referred to, and our frequent world view, and this is a view, not the way things are, is this is me, this is myself here, this little uh, bundle of heart, mind and uh, body, and everything else, book and watch, and uh, all of you lot and uh, and everything else that's not myself and this view not the ultimate reality not the way things really are this view we carry around and we nurse it to death we nurse this view and the Tao Te Ching is a reminder to us to Take up this view. Why hold to it? Why think this way? Why believe this is the reality of things? Why make this division? So he suggests, see the whole world as self and not see things, this is me, that is not me. Just not looking in that way. The whole quality of the life would be different. And how would it be different? He said, because we would then care for all things. That would make it different. May we all care for all beings, for all things.